You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Valentini here hosting... Southside Sox podcast number 41 and another special treat. I know number 40, that was a new guy. Hey, we got another new guy. It's Hannah LaMotta. She's our Sunday coverage recapper. Uh, she's probably going to be filling in doing other stuff. She already threw out the cool feature that basically gave everybody a glimpse at what was different, what was the same about ball games here in 2021, given that she was there for, that was opening day, wasn't it? Yes, opening day there for opening day and hey it's a fellow paisan it's an italian podcast there could be a lot of hand talking in this one so you might want to watch you might want to pause the podcast and go watch on youtube because who knows what gesticulations you may see between a brett valentini and a hannah lamata hannah welcome glad you're with us so much i very am i'm really excited so we're going to start out the first half we're going to talk a little about you your Sox fandom, how you got to us. So let's just talk right off the bat. How'd you become a White Sox fan? When'd you become a White Sox fan? Um, okay, birth, basically. <laughs> I don't even know how else to say it. It, You know, growing up in a giant sports house, um, it's all basically from my dad. A lot of credit to him. He, you know, I was just one, two, three, three years old. And I would be in, there's just so many pictures of me in Sox stuff. And I was just like, okay, you know. You know, we used to go to the games a lot. Didn't really know what was going on yet. But then when I was like five or six, I actually started playing softball, baseball. And then, you know, as I grew up, by the time I was like 11 or 12, I was like super fan. And like nobody else in my entire school, let alone a girl, was a super fan of any sports team. So it was just like 
insane how much knowledge I was getting, how much research I was doing into the team. Like it was, it was just natural, natural for me. So, you know, I started just really loving them and I would memorize the lineup every single day, every single person I would get the stats, you know, and that was a rough lineup, not gonna lie, like 2012, (laughs) 2013, you know, I can still probably list like all of the people, but yeah, it was just, it was, I just felt so passionate about it. And I didn't know why at first, but then I realized it was just, it's just so special to me. I don't know if it's because I grew up like that or if it's just something I was naturally drawn to. And then it started becoming like a big thing for me because in my school, even I was looked at as like the girl who knew everything about sports. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I loved it. I knew everything about it because that's what I did in the summer. I would watch MLB network every single day. I would get stats on every single team. Like I wouldn't know their lineups. I would, I would know who who's good and who's not like, it was just every day. And it was so fun to me. I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. So that, that, that just like escalated. And then it turned into like my tying in with my career. As I got older, I realized that's what I wanted to do. Um, so now I'm, now I'm here and I I'm just, like if I ever get called a bandwagoner ever, I will have, <laughs> I will have so much to say because I just, you know, it, it's been since I was literally since I was born. It's and, on record now. Nothing, nothing yes. dies on inner, right? It's out wow. there. You you're on tape. Mm-hmm. You're legit. Yes. All right. Get in your time machine, Hannah, because uh, the equivalent of watching MLB network 24 hours a day and memorizing lineups was mm-hmm. my youth in the seventies spread out the newspaper, spread out the Sun-Times, and just look at the one sports page, look at the standings, mm-hmm. memorize the standings, look at the box scores, trying to figure out what it all meant. Uh, a little more Stone Age, but equivalent. And I believe there is a picture, probably doesn't exist any longer, of me in one of those swing chairs. It must have been like a late 60s hat, but some hat on my head. So yeah, I don't, maybe it's an Italian family. I don't think it is. I think it's a sports fan thing, but yeah, you're just, you're indoctrinated from birth. And there was never, I'm going to guess, Hannah, never any question of which team, which baseball team you'd be rooting for. Um. Okay, so kind of. Because, <laughs> oh! Well, no, no, no. Okay, well, my mom, she doesn't know anything about sports, but her family grew up as a Cubs family. So when my, you know, if if you have a mom that knows basically nothing about sports and a dad that's <laughs> very much sports, White Sox, I'm going to choose the White Sox. And she, at the time, she was like, I don't care about the Cubs that much. Like my grandpa was a fan, you know, some of the people on that side of the family, but overall I was like, I was like, no, no, no. My dad taught me about the Cubs or no, the White Sox, sorry. Um, Taught me to not like the Cubs, but you know, it was just, it was just natural for me. And yeah, no, no Cubs. Maybe there's a few people on the other side of my family that are like, come on. And I'm like, nope, no. They're revealing themselves. I got to say, they're revealing themselves. Now, listen, I have, of course, never met Mrs. LaMotta. She must be gorgeous or a great cook or have an incredible set of skills because this is a mixed family. Your dad saw something in a Cubs fan and a Cubs fan family. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. But luckily, she was just, she was like, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. I was like, there's no controversy. Sometimes the Thanksgiving or Christmas can be a little heated with sports talk. But other than that, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like whatever. I, I have a feeling you're going to have the upper hand on the heated sports talk at family gatherings for some years to come. So that's oh, yeah. the good part. You've come off 
a period where you've taken your licks. So I think it's time for you to have a, a couple victory laps. So that's, you know, Oh, I will. Hopefully. That's good. That's good. Uh, and now you mentioned you're, you are, you're in school and uh, even in high school were um, pretty devoted to uh, both sports, uh, but, and journalism. So this is working with us and what you're doing in school is just sort of a natural outcropping of your interest uh, in sports, correct? Yes, it couldn't have been a better opportunity. And I mean, this is what my dream job is, is to, you know, work in sports. And I think that really started at around the time that I was 11 and 12, you know, social media became a thing. And the first thing that I noticed was these comments towards women's sports on these pictures. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I, you know, this little 12 year old girl, I was like, this is, this is terrible. So then immediately my mind was like, I want to change this. I want to change the world. I want to change how women are looked at in sports. So I remember every single time starting at, you know, that age, anytime we were able to choose a topic we wanted to present about in school, I would do the inequality between men and women's sports. Like why isn't there um, as many women in the sports field as there are men? I was always just trying to raise as much awareness as I could. I used to write speeches for it and like ask my mom, she works at a college and I was like, Hey, like, could I possibly like um, present this at a college? (laughs) I was so, you know, I was so young, but it's one of those things that I've always been so passionate about. And then when I was 14, I was like, you know what? I love softball, but I grew up playing baseball. You know, I have a brother who played baseball. My dad loves baseball. I was like, why don't I play it? And at first I actually wasn't allowed to play on my high school team. I remember writing a big story about that. I was so mad. I was angry. Um, so I, I did a, a team in, it was like a fall ball team. And I would go from volleyball practice to this baseball practice. I would, I would do baseball. And like, it was in my mind, I wanted to be looked at the same as everyone else. You know, I didn't want, I, it was nice to have people be like, oh, that's cool. Like a girl on the team. But I just wanted to play the game that I love. Simple. Um and there was many instances where people would make fun of me. People would pitch slower to me. People would be like, oh, that's a girl coming up. Um, you know, I pitched an inning one time and everyone just was like, they were just laughing and, you know, being disrespectful. And, I, you know, I mean, it was a bunch of young kids, so I get it. Um, but it was just really like hard to handle. But I was like, I don't care. I'm doing what I love. And yeah, I did that for a little bit. Um, and then I went back to softball because I wasn't allowed to play in high school on the the um, high school team but yeah then I um in high school I was also in a journalism class uh I started my freshman year writing all the, mostly the sports sections I was the editor-in-chief for that I was a photographer um I wrote about all the school sports I wrote about updates in professional sports I was just always the sports sports girl you know so that's why now I wanted to major in journalism at my school and specifically sports journalism I wanted there my options are wide open you know I, I can either I want to write for um sports teams I want to be on tv you know I don't know um so that's where I'm at now and this that's why I'm saying like this opportunity couldn't have been more perfect for me because I get to write about what I love and and you know I used to to make videos of me talking about it about the White Sox by myself and now I get people that actually want to hear what I have to say and it's just like it was a literal dream come true and I feel like for my career it can only go up from here so Yeah, I mean, your attitude about this certainly dovetails with, I think, every person on this site, man or woman. Um, But, you know, it's been an agenda that I've had from the start in taking this job to start to even the playing field. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously you've, you've read our other uh, women writers, but you know, men as well. I think we're all pretty passionate about the fact that we should all be looked at fairly. It doesn't have to be equal because I, I do bring more experience than you. Okay. Mm-hmm. But fair uh, is not too much to ask. And it's funny, you know, you mentioned beginning to get into sports, becoming aware of sports media and then seeing right away the discrepancies and how, how, how different people are treated. And unfortunately, you know, 10 years on or so, um, or, you know, maybe this is a matter of uh, six, seven years on, I'm not sure how much has changed. It's changing. I, I believe that hopefully some of the effort we're doing helps change that, but you know, it's, it is going to be a long push and having someone energetic like yourself, just getting into it to push that change. You know, it's needed uh, because otherwise nothing is going to change. And that goes for the people reading you, the people listening to you as well. We can't force that change on them, but we can encourage it. And certainly just by, it starts with the opportunity. You don't have the opportunity? Yeah. No one can read you and know you're, you're, you're any different or that you are knowledgeable, just like the opportunity of playing ball. Uh, mm-hmm. I imagine you weren't the MVP of, of, of that baseball team, mm-hmm. but you held your own. You went out there and tried. You threw it out there. You didn't take the guff. And, you know, you did what you wanted to do. And right. that's the same opportunity here. Exactly. Uh, it's only fair. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have you here with us. Hannah. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, and now let's talk a little bit specific White Sox. Who, who, who's the first player? What's the first season you remember really, really following closely? Um, the first season closely, I would say 2011 or 2012. I remember you know, the first person that comes to mind is Paul Konerko and Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn, don't know why. <laughs> like, I remember my my password for everything was Paul Konerko's number, Adam Dunn's number. Like, I was obsessed. <laughs> um, and Alejandro Diaz, Diane Vicieto, like all these random players. But that was what I grew up with. And at the time, I thought everyone was like, great. I was like, okay. Um Paul Konerko is like, when I think of White Sox, he will always be the number one person that I think of because my prime watching was, you know, his prime in a way. Um, And I just remember like, even though I was only four years old when the World Series happened, I just remember watching all of his highlights from that year and before that when I was older and just, he was like everything to me. So um also Gordon Beckham I actually have a picture (laughs) my dad got me this for my birthday a few days ago it's a framed picture of Gordon Beckham he I don't know like okay it was definitely the walk-up song because I recorded every like I said in that um story I recorded every single time at the game when he came up and his walk-up song came up and everyone was you know singing it like I don't know he just he was a really special player to me too for some reason just because of how old I was when I started getting to the sport and I saw, you know, him and his defense was really always really good at the time. And then like his walk-up song and just everything. I don't know. So when I, when I think of that, I think of, you know, 2012 season, 2011 was when I really, really like every single day lineup memorized. Um, And then I remember as I grew up, you know, 2014, when Polly retired, I went to his retire, his last game ever. I went to his Jersey retirement game. I was just like, you know, I, I loved him. And I remember he made this, that farewell video um, when he retired and I watched it on the bus on my way to school every day and like cried over it for like a year. <laughs> like I just, 
I don't know. I, I love, 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 love him. And I think that for a while, when I think of White Sox, I will always think of Paul Canerco. I think I've just figured out, just in listening to you talk, how this all came to be. Your love of sports, us getting together on Southside Sox. When you say 2011, there was a there was a beat writer at the time working exclusively in electronic media. I forget the guy's name. I think it was it was Brett Valentini. He was on the beat then. He was doing mm-hmm. some He probably inspired you and said, you know, I'm a little young. I'm not maybe even understanding all these dumb words he's throwing into the piece because he's showing off. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and credit myself. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and credit myself. So it was meant to be. Now we're together, working together, right. 2021 on Southside Sox. And it's terrific. Again, Hannah's doing all of our Sunday game coverage. She's going to be throwing probably a lot of other stuff uh, out there as well. And now that we've got a little bit of background on you, we're going to take a quick break. And Hannah, we are going to talk a little bit about the 2021 White Sox and where they're going, where they are, and uh, what's going to happen with this team. We're going to come right back in just a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com hey white Sox fans Southside Sox podcast number 41 it's with one of our newest team members, a regular writer each Sunday. It's Hannah Lamada. It's a Paisan podcast. You got to love those people. I don't care what your background is. You just got to love those. Mm-hmm. So we're vibing here. On, so far in the first half, it was just Hannah, how she sort of got here, her fandom, um, crying for a year on the bus, watching yeah. the Paul Canerco farewell video. You know, listen, it's a story we all have. We all cried over videos on the bus on the way to school when our favorite player retires. Uh, believe me, I'm still pissed off that Chet Lemon got traded from the Chicago White Sox. So I can feel you a little bit there, I can, I can, you know, many, many decades ago. Okay, 2021 White Sox. This team, as we're recording during the break before this uh, Texas Rangers series where the White Sox should fatten up, still just a 500 team, 9-9. Nine and nine. Uh, Indications based on just the differential that the White Sox have had some bad luck, have maybe been managed a little oddly, basically playing below what they should be playing. Do you sense a breakout for this team uh, coming anytime soon, or you think we're going to be flirting with 500 as as everybody's sort of feeling each other out and still reeling from some of the injury uh, setbacks like Aloy Jimenez? Honestly, I see a breakout coming just because of the last game against the Cleveland Indians. Um why do I say that? Because while well, Abreu was in a well-known slump, he wasn't doing too good. And he broke out in that game, two home runs, right? Everyone else in the offense that is supposed to be, you know, living up to their standards, it finally is. You know, you had Moncada get on base, Grandel had a homer, 
Um, Anderson had a homer. So I think that the main part when I think of this team is offense. I think if the offense is on, then everything else will work into place. Um, so I think especially with like the Rangers coming up, I'm hoping that they could, you know, try to get the the sweep of that series. But I think that the main thing is if our 2020, like Jose Abreu MVP, if he can lead the team and be strong on offense, he's been, he's been pretty good on defense, but if he can be strong on offense, that just sets the tone for the entire team, in my opinion, because you know, he's sitting right in the middle of the order and he's hopefully starting to heat up. I know that um, in April, usually his numbers aren't, you know, too good, but as the weather heats up, so does he. So I'm hoping that there can be a breakout soon because that's what everyone is waiting for. Um, and you know what? Things could be worse. I mean, it, a 500 record at this time is okay. Um, that's why I always say be patient because the beginning of the year is always completely different. You have these teams starting out and then all of a sudden they like the Oakland athletics started zero and six. Now they're on 11 game win streak. The Boston Red Sox started, you know, zero and three. Now they're doing pretty good. Um, so you, you really just never know at the beginning of the season. So I think that it is okay for them to be 500 right now, although we would like it to be better because this is a very long season You'd rather, you know, would you rather have a a good April or a good July, August? You know, you would rather have it towards the end of the year. And especially I remember this specifically in 2016, the White Sox in April and May, they had a 23 and 10 record, right? But that fell off <laughs> very badly. They ended up the year fourth in division, 78 and 84. So it's like that didn't do much good. So you can't really, you can't really count. Yes, it, it, it is good to get wins early in the season, but you can't count on the, this to set the tone for the entire year, this first month that's not even over yet. Well, and there's some positive things in the rearview mirror. You get the worst West Coast trip out of the way right off the bat, and you're not traveling to it from Chicago or some other place. You're traveling to it from Arizona. Um, that travel adds up. And I mean, you could say, well, they're fresh and, and all that. And, and that's true, but that's why it's the best time of the year to have done that as much as we didn't want the team opening up with eight straight games and, and seven of them on the road, uh, run into an angels team. That's a little tougher. I think than people uh, anticipated. Apparently Seattle's a little better than anybody thought because uh, they're kicking the snot out of the Dodgers. We took out of three uh, weird weather. I mean, there's a lot to navigate here, including the injury, which every injuries, which, which every team does have to deal with, but, geez, having the outfield um, depleted before the season even tips off is is rough and not necessarily something you're anticipating or expecting. So among some positive signs, and and somehow I was going to guess you were going to be enthusiastic and positive about uh, the White Sox chances starting uh, uh, here with this uh, t- uh, Texas series this weekend. Uh, who among what you're seeing in positive signs – Who's the guy who's really stood out to you, uh, either pitching or hitting side, um, that maybe is a little surprise, pleasant surprise, or just the guy you thought of really being the early MVP for the White Sox? Honestly, as of right now, Luis Robert has been on fire at the plate. And I think that that is amazing to see. I mean, he's batting three, 310 right now. He is you know, his strikeouts last year were just, uh, it was so hard to watch it sometimes. Yeah. He's very much improved already this season, um, laying off those sliders, laying off those outside of the zone. Um, and I think that if, you know, he's getting a lot of base hits and I think home runs are just to follow. So when he starts getting home runs too, just watch out because 
that's going to be crazy. So I think for the offense, um, it's not a surprise because we all knew that Luis Robert is, is an amazing player, but I think this early for him to improve as much as he has since last season, that's been really good for the offense and he's, he's needed, you know, in that lineup right now. Um, and now, you know, I'm confident when I see him come up to the plate, I'm like, okay, he's going to produce something. And um, I think I'm pitching Michael Kopech. Everyone knew <laughs> Michael Kopech was going to be amazing, but people had doubts after, you know, him getting Tommy John surgery and missing a year. And then him, after him opting out of last season, people were like, okay, is, is everything going to be fine? You know, people maybe starting to give up on him a little bit. And I was like, nope. And he's, he's a strikeout machine. He's reliable in the bullpen right, right now. And he had the opportunity to start and he did very good in that too. So I think that right now I'm excited to see him develop hopefully um, by the end, end of the year, maybe into a starting pitcher as well. Um, so that's, yeah. When I see Michael Kopech out there, I'm like, I'm confident. I'm like, okay, he's doing good. And he's just, he's just so good. And I think that he deserves a lot more credit than he had been getting before. Well, it's, face, it's funny, based on what we know now, again, very early sample, very small portion, we're just past 10% of the season uh, in the rearview mirror. You'd expect perhaps Garrett Crochet's performance this season to be what you would have seen from Michael Kopech, maybe a little uh, tentative, um, sort of getting his legs under him. The roles there have reversed, um, you know, by no means has Garrett Crochet been, you know, been, been poor or terrible or anything like that. But the fact that Kopech, Two seasons away, and, and still, let's not forget, you know, coming off of uh, extremely significant, the most significant arm procedure of his career, right. where there'd be every reason to maybe be a little tentative and feel your way through. Yeah, he has hit the ground running, and I think he's definitely exceeded any expectations. Whether, you, whether you're a fan who somehow wrote him off or just said, I don't know what we're going to get from him, there's no argument you can't just be over the moon with what he's done because he looks like a guy who's going to be asking for more innings. Again, it's going to, he's going to push the White Sox and challenge them to be disciplined about what they've said about keeping some rain on him because it seems like he's a guy who's going to push right up against whatever innings limit they have in mind for him and want more. And then the decision is going to be, okay, do we let him have that? Or did we did we pace him out too slowly and not get as many innings as we should have out of him because we were trying to be so conservative. And with Robert, there's still a lack of, you know, there still is a lack of discipline. He's still a guy who's going to have to learn as a hitter, but the fact that he is not missing a lot of mistakes, the fact that when somebody decides to throw him anything that's not breaking, whether it's because he's in a favorable count or because they just decided to throw a first pitch fastball or whatever, He's usually making teams pay. And for a guy who's, whose basement is only so low based on what he gives you base running and defense, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who's going to be either a plus player or like a plus, 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 plus player. And that's a pretty nice, you know, situation to have to be dealing with in a position as important as, as, as center field. This isn't Eloy Jimenez where we can say, oh, well, he runs into the net. You know, he's a, I mean, obviously, it, it, you know, terrible ramifications, but I mean, in normal circumstances, a guy who's not going to give you any plus defense is going to be negative. Well, okay, he's in left field. That's why they could run Andrew Vaughn out there having never played because like, okay, hopefully he can only do so much damage. At least Robert is, the, you know, he's the heartbeat of this team, you know, short of catcher, he might be the most important guy on this team on the field and maybe even in the order. So, uh, you know, those are certainly good and, and very hard to argue with uh, picks as to who's impressed so far. All right, let's flip it, Hannah. I know this is tough for you because I know the enthusiasm and the energy you bring to this team, but you know, maybe one or two guys who, who, who've disappointed you so far. Um, well, you were talking about crochet earlier and 
going into the season, I thought Crochet was going to be throwing 103 yeah. miles an hour every single pitch. Unfortunately, not the case. Probably not the best for his arm either. So I get it. But, you know, I just – he's been giving up a few base hits and some – um, he's been in put put in some situations in extra innings where you know yeah. the, the other team has scored runs. I know against the Royals he came in in the ninth and he had that bunt and he just mm. you know he he didn't he didn't look his best. But I think that I was expecting a little bit more from him. Um, I know it's early in the season and he has a lot to pitch, so it's understandable why he's not out there throwing a hundred plus miles an hour like he was last year but it would still be better to have him, his, his walks are, you know, he's been walking a few people as well. Um, his control is not, you know, not the best, but he is still, I mean, this, this guy skipped minor leagues, you know, like he just went straight to the major leagues and, you know, he's just getting everything right now and he, he's still learning a lot and he's still really young. He so I think that, he made it so easy last year. I mean, granted, it was just a week. It was essentially a week, what, a week and a half. Oh, he made it so easy. I think we can be forgiven for thinking, well, okay, all right, so it won't be so easy. And he'll only throw 99, but he's just going to be lights out, right? Right. Uh, right. So, you know, he, you know, he teased us. And, you know, it's not to say a guy like Chris Sale who came up. I mean, I'm sure he, he had his bad outings. But, you know, he didn't really ever get buried too deep. Didn't have to go back to the minors, mm-hmm. crochet. You know, it looms as a possibility that he may actually spend some time in Charlotte, uh, maybe to build up the arm, maybe just to uh, tackle, you know, different challenging situation. Who knows? Depending on what the starting rotation ends up bringing out as, he might still be sent down, you know, perhaps to stretch out and try to maybe start a little bit late, give him sort of a mental health break and take some of the pressure off him. It'll be interesting to see with both of these guys, Kopech on this positive side, like, geez, do we unwrap all the gifts on Christmas Eve? Uh, and with crochet where it's been a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, we want to be careful um, because he's still a young guy, yeah, as you yeah. say, didn't pitch in the minors. I mean, we're making a big deal about Andrew Vaughn going from high A to the majors. Well, okay. What's the answer to no A to the majors? And right. that's Sarah yeah. Crochet. It's, 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 it's even from Schaumburg, you know, the pretend, uh, uh, the Carfield league to uh to the major leagues and killed it yeah so you know yeah you got to sort of put an asterisk on that disappointment but yeah of course it's a letdown because we're like okay he's gonna be rookie of the year so no brain you know uh at the end of the day he is easy to it's i i defend like i'll defend him still because you know he's been put into these hard situations in the extra innings like i was saying and he's doing the best i can the, the best that he can with a runner at second and no outs um and you know what? He's he's still getting outs, and he's still striking people out. His changeup is still a lot higher than most people's changeups velocity-wise. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that I think that he's going to be okay. And you know, it, it's not as much of a letdown because we were just we were shunned by him last season. So everyone was like, oh, you know, he'll be just like that. But the reality is we're at a 162 game season. We're on a new year now. And, you know, he got pulled out of that game against the athletics last year because of an injury. Luckily it wasn't anything too serious, but you know, they could still be, you know, cautious with that. They could just be cautious with his arm in the early going. So that's, you know, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does as the season goes on. I, I know, I know that he will, you know, improve. Yeah, if there's a time to be going through some of these pains, if you had to pick any right. time, 
Um, you don't even want it after a clinch if you clinch the playoffs late in the season. You want it now so you can work it out, right. have a plan, get the confidence. Uh, uh, and he's not the only guy just because he's the youngest guy and he's the guy maybe we have the highest expectation of. He's not, you know, Aaron Bummer. There are other guys who are, you know, scuffling a little bit that, you know, maybe you'd even ex- have a right to expect more of. Uh, uh, you know, a hitter or defensively, is there a guy who's maybe uh, uh, disappointed you a little bit so far? Um, Andrew Vaughn, like, he just, I don't know, not that I expected more from him, but it seems like right now he's struggling. And I think that in a way that's okay, because he's, he's a rookie rookie, right? And he's being thrown into this lineup. Um, But, you know, he, he could be better offensively right now. I think that it wouldn't hurt if it's necessary for him to gain some confidence back to gain some of that pop back, you know, send, maybe send him down once, um, you know, maybe more outfielders come back. But for right now, um, you know, he, he's going to start improving, but the question is like when, how fast, um, not to put too much pressure on him, but I just think that right now, you know, I, I think fans would like to see like that first home run or, you know, the, those, those hits start to come in a little bit more. Um, and he had that really great play at first base, which was like, oh my gosh, like that was amazing um, against Cleveland the other day. So that was good. But I think maybe also Mankata, you know, he's been, he was struggling a little bit at first. He's, he's improving now um, offensively, defensively, he's been pretty solid, but I think that, you know, just those players, that everyone wants to see excel, you know, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for them to just, you know, you know, excel at the, the level they're supposed to, especially a Bray you too. You know, if, if, if we're talking about before the Cleveland game, yeah. he was not doing too good at all. And that's not something you want to see from a former MVP at all. It doesn't matter. I know I said like, Oh, he, he tends to heat up more as the season goes on, but still you would like, you would like to see, you know, something yeah. more right now. And I know he had like, people are like, well, he had two grand slams and like, and in, in a few games, but it, it it's still just like, you just want to see more from him offensively. And I'm hoping that he starts to turn around with that amazing game against Cleveland. Cause it was so nice to see that just like, I just wanted him to get out of that funk that he was in. Yeah. And I think that Hopefully he's going to do that moving forward. It's 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 early, of course. You know, ten percent of the season is nothing, but you know, you don't want to see the defending MVP with like negative war. I mean, you just you just don't. I don't care if it's five games. You just you don't right. you don't want that trend to start. So of course we want to see him uh, get hot. And uh, you know, again, Rangers and some of the teams they have coming up, they're going to be a little bit weaker. Uh, you know, this is, this is time to do it. So I hope that he is starting to ascend because he was never. I don't know at what point last year he was ever cold. Maybe he did start a little slow even last year, but at MVP season, he's uh, knocking in a run a game. Uh, there wasn't much time for him to be, uh, to be cool. Andrew Vaughn's another guy who, who teased us, not quite to the degree of crochet, but uh, Andrew Vaughn in spring training in 2020, got his first like sort of token courtesy uh, uh, taste and knocked the heck out of the ball. He played deeper into games. He played longer with the big team. He basically played until they, they broke off spring training, and he was coming through uh, every step of the way. And then he lit up summer camp as well, and Rick Hans admitted he's a guy that he really thought hard about bringing up, uh, just like Crochet, uh, last year because of how well he was hitting. The White Sox haven't done Andrew Vaughn any favors. I mean, not that it's not enough of a challenge to jump the way he has into the major leagues. 
But now he's doing it without a position. And he's not going to have a position, a natural position, anytime soon because Jose Abreu is not going anywhere. So the idea that they're taking this guy who's a blue chip, a Golden Spikes winner, and saying, well, <laughs> figure it out somewhere up. else. Yeah. I mean, sort of trading him. Right. I mean, you can't really be, not that you're supposed to be respecting a rookie, and it is his job to fit in, but man, um, this isn't even like a platoon, like, hey, you want a little extra at-bats? You're going to you know, play a little bit out in left field. This is like you're going to be a left fielder. And again, I'm not sure when that's going to change because Jose Abreu is not going to voluntarily get himself off the field. DH is an ideal for a rookie, but I guess that was his vision coming in. Now your mean Mercedes has sort of screwed that up. So, uh, yeah, this has not been the best. I mean, given he's a major leaguer and he is getting a little bit of a taste, he's getting his, his cup of coffee, he's shown he can play a, a, certainly a viable, competent left field. There are positives to take from his early season, but, man, this is about as rough a go as you can get, as opposed to, say, Nick Madrigal, where it's like, yep, here's second base, you know, or uh, – you know, Luis Robert, you know, naturally, right. you know, the phenom. Yeah, here's center field, you know, take it. Um, it's yours to lose. Andrew Vaughn's like, okay, you know, working out. Do I got to play third base? Where am I going to play, you know, uh, uh, you know, to get some time on this team? You know, I'm sure. Uh, you, can... you know, yeah. Yeah, right. So uh, the tough challenge for him. And, you know, listen, he's he's facing up, I guess, well, about that. That's why I'm. Go ahead. Um, sorry, my connection. Uh, oh. Um, I was just gonna say I think that um, props to him because he's really actually like pretty good in left field for someone who just got put there. Um, and he's made a few a few really good plays. And I would say props to him for you know him being open to the idea, him being like, yeah, let's do it. Also being able to be flexible on other positions around the field. So. I think, you know, props to him for sure for that. And I think being put in that position is hard in the first place because you're just like, okay, let's learn a whole new position in however many days it was in spring training. Oh, let me, let me start the season there. It's, it's a lot. So I, I think that, I think he's doing good um, with that for sure. And yeah, I mean, also I totally left out for some reason um, players we all love um, doing amazing. How do I leave out your mean Mercedes um, and Carlos Rodon? I like, if you would have told me last year mm-hmm. that Carlos Rodon would be doing this as, you know, I, he, he, I didn't even know he was going to be on the team. You know, nobody knew what was happening with him. Um, he is just, I was so happy for him for his no hitter, almost perfect game. Ugh, that was hard to watch, but <laughs> I think that he, I'm so happy for him because he has been really good this year in the outings that he's been in. And I think that hopefully last year might've been like a little reality check, like, Oh, I need to, I need really need to start performing better. Um, he got that opportunity this year and he's, he's doing everything he can with that opportunity. So very much props to him. And I'm hoping that he can continue on with it. Cause I know everyone wants to see him do good. I mean, they want to see him flourish because he was projected to be an ace. He was, he was projected to be very good. I mean, and then you have your me Mercedes, who's just comes up and makes history. And then all of a sudden starts hitting bombs that are like, like that one on opening day, the crowd was, was wild. Like they, he, the second that that hit his bat, just, flew and everyone was going insane and the the energy that he brings to the team we needed that you know with Aloy being gone offensively we needed someone offensively to fill the spot and he I couldn't have asked for honestly a better offensive replacement a better person to fill that role than him 
Yeah, and you look at your mean, he's actually been able to, not that Eloy can be replaced in the lineup or in the clubhouse, but he's even a guy who, while not as acclimated and not as acclimated even to the English language, he's a guy who clearly is feeling a little bit of that fun-loving, that personable spirit that you lose in not having Eloy. And you're right, you couldn't have necessarily tailor-made this replacement any better, not that anybody ever wanted to replace Eloy Jimenez, And I guess when Aloy is healthy enough to come back, now we have another confrontation because we've got a guy who shouldn't even be playing in the field uh, competing for at-bats at designated hitter. We have a team, Hannah, of about 12 designated hitters. And it is going to become a problem at some point. Someone is going to have to give. I don't know how they're going to wrangle it out. I guess it's a good problem. I'd rather have like too many shorts. I've already been thinking about that. (laughs) Like in my mind, I'm already painting out this picture. I'm like, okay, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? Where's he going to go? What's like, I'm just overthinking everything. But, you know, yeah, like you said, obviously Aloy cannot be, you know, replaced. But, you know, you couldn't ask for a better guy to, you know, fill the role that he's missing right now. And I'm sure that. You know, fans love your mean too. Everyone, you know, loves him. So you were in the, you were in the upper deck for opening day. Yeah, I was in section five fifty seven, way up there. So your means home run. It was say it was only then like say a thousand feet higher than you, as opposed to two thousand feet or whatever, because that was an almost unprecedented bomb third longest it wasn't I mean the park is not young anymore the third to have the third longest homer uh be your first at bat with the White Sox in Chicago is that's pretty good that's pretty good yep (laughs) that's what I'm saying his numbers every everything about him has been has been impressive and you know seeing that on opening day was amazing and um just his his energy every time he comes up the bat everyone screaming cheering his name you know we needed that after everyone was I know myself I was moping for a while after Aloy's injury I was so bummed out I was like are things going to be the same this year like I'm so upset like oh the offense is you know maybe the offense will struggle a little bit but then you put your mean Mercedes in and everyone's screaming his name cheering like it ended up being okay for right now at least um based on how he's performing but like you said, it's going to be a problem when every, everyone's back and healthy and you're like, okay, we can only have nine of you on the field, but we have like 20 people who are performing well. And yep. props to, sorry, props to Danny Mendick as well. When he was uh, coming in for Tim Anderson, when he was on the 10 day injured list, Danny Mendick was a, a pretty solid, you know, person to have. Um, he was playing second base, shortstop anywhere um I liked him offensively he was getting good hits when he needed to so props to him as well um I think he's a good backup to have um in case Tim needs an off day or you know if Tim were to get hurt again hopefully not but I think he was solid as well and not that you don't want Eloy back as soon as he can but with your mean performing the way he is and the fact that again there's 12 DHs on this roster um (laughs) maybe it allows you it, it affords you the ability to say hey Eloy definitely take your time Eloy maybe we don't even need you back this year I know that's counterintuitive they're not going to necessarily think that way but if it came to that or if he doesn't heal the way I mean there is a possibility he's out for this season I know they're trying to spin it more positively and the initial diagnosis was more dour than I guess maybe what the current prognosis is but uh, you know that's not a bad problem I mean if if White Sox DHs were hitting the way White Sox DHs traditionally do going back to uh, your old uh, heartthrob, Adam Dunn, 
Um, oh, God. You know, uh, then we'd have a problem because we'd be like, okay, well, anything, Eloy with, if, with one limb is better than whoever we're running up there now. Well, that's not necessarily the case. We can afford to, to jut our chins out a little bit and say, hey, listen, we got a guy. You know, you can come in and supplement that, but we got a guy. And you're also smart handed to bring up a low, not just the no winners, not just about the almost perfect game. He's been the White Sox ace, especially after Giolito's last start. He's just one start. But the truth is, Rodon hasn't had that start yet. He has been the best pitcher on the White Sox, dating even back to spring training. And Lord knows nobody was anticipating nobody that. Fact, most that. people thought he wasn't even necessarily going to be in the rotation. And that guy, you know, sees the number five. He's already sort of, in a way, flipped himself up to number two. I mean, I know this arrangement in April doesn't mean anything, but basically he's the guy who pitches after Giolito at this point. So there's right. nothing that says he can't be the guy, you know, you know, again, health willing. Uh, if he can manage to stay off the sidelines, you know, he's a guy who's going to be a tremendous asset. And maybe as Keuchel potentially is taking maybe a little step back or coming back down to earth from, uh, from what was a pretty miracle 2020 season, uh, you know, maybe the White Sox don't lose much uh, with a top southpaw if Rodon is the guy, because there's no question Rodon is a guy who's got better stuff, more electric stuff, maybe not a better pitcher, but more electric stuff than Dallas Keuchel, who just is a very crafty, you know, Mark Burley pitcher. And, 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 you know, right. at some point, maybe that luck runs out. I don't know that it even ever did run out for Burley could have pitched, I think many more seasons, but got tired of it. Uh, you know, but Keuchel, if he's a guy who's taking a step back and maybe he's pitching more like a three, four, five, well, maybe the, mm-hmm. the number five, which there's to see, look, we've, we've spun this very positively and, and now we're raring to go the rest of the season. I gotta say, you're bringing that Ashley Sanders energy. And one of these days, we are going to have you both on a podcast. And it is going to, it's going to explode totally something. I'm up for that. Because I cannot imagine trying to put a cap on the energy of that podcast. I can tell you right now, what I'm going to do the whole time is this. I'm just going to watch <laughs> because I'm not going to be able to add to the energy. I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. I can. Fire. All right. Gauntlet thrown. Once school's over, got to have a meeting of these two master uh, energy, White Sox writers, Ashley Sanders and Hannah Ramada. Hannah, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, wait, you know, I don't usually dress so casually. It's because I had to, I had to show off my, I know you were vaccinated today. Well done. Yeah. Thank Great you. Step up probably about the soonest you could do it. I'm, uh, got a little more gray on the temple. So I think I had a little bit higher priority of the shot, but. That's why I took it so casually, so I could say, "All right, we're legit." Yep, Paisan podcast combo, and that's good too. You know, not that you're not going to take a step back just to uh, enable yourself to go back into the world more safely, but uh, feeling good through the shots also is an unexpected bonus. I managed to skate through two. uh, Knock on laptop. Uh, and you know, hopefully the same for you. So well done. Glad you got that done as well. And I'm glad you came on the podcast for the first time. Thanks for finally joining me. And we're going to do this a bunch more times, I hope. Yes, always. Thank you for having me. I, I'm very excited to keep doing this. I was a little scared at first, not going to lie. But, you know, I love talking. So <laughs> couldn't be better. It's a point and shoot podcast. I'm no pro. We're just a couple people just shooting the breeze. And that's what we did here. Thank you everybody out there for listening. As always, few of you even for watching. We got to see that incredibly, um, the bravado of the, uh, of the vaccination flash. Whew, you're going to want to rewind and check that out again. 
Uh, and of course for reading, because without you guys, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have a site. Great, great community. Hannah's jumped right into it and uh, we appreciate that as well. Cause it's always fun to be able to engage with uh, everybody who's reading, um, you know, as, as a member of the community as well. So thanks for doing that. This is your Sunday recapper. Uh, she goes to a ton of games. I'm guessing she's going to catch maybe one, a homestand minimum. So she's going to be at the park a bunch as well. Um, so she's going to be our eyes, ears, uh, you know, at the ballpark as well, you know, not in the press box, you know, hopefully one day the White Sox let us in, but uh, at least for now, still at the ballpark. Um, so she's going to be a presence on the site all year long. We're really happy to have her. So welcome, Hannah. And uh, let's do this uh, many more times. Thank you. Yes, for sure. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with more podcast activity probably sooner than you think.